since uh, this morning is recognized in Christianity as Palm Sunday, when the reality of those verses, and we'll read them, had to do with Jesus coming unto the Jews. That's what it was, and he was fulfilling all kinds of prophecy. Now, of course, in terms, and that was the first advent when he actually came in humanity upon, upon the face of the earth. Of course, we can look at it that way, but I'm just revealing the scriptures and, and, and what, they, what they teach. And so here, we, there's a couple of places, and in, in these two major places, for instance, in Matthew 21, and we'll see it in John the 12th chapter, but in Matthew 21, we can see all these uh, truths being brought out. So what Jesus was actually doing on Palm Sunday was he came, he came for one reason. Others came and shouted out to him for many other reasons other than the reason that he actually came. So, and we know they strewed the the palms and so forth and what they what they represent and they can be a beautiful representation to us understanding Christ understanding that he actually came for us and was was crucified but that's where we have the preaching of the cross and actually Jesus Christ came and that was the reason he came to fulfill all these prophecies but to bring out the reality of the cross and Christianity Really, it came out of the cross. But here, here's Matthew 21. It says, when they drew near unto, in verse 1, when they drew near unto Jerusalem, were come to uh, Bethphage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus, Jesus to disciples, saying, go into a village over against you, and straightway you will find a donkey and a colt. A colt, young one is older, another one is younger. And we won't get into all the types here because it's, a, it's loaded with, with, with truth. But a cult with her, loose them and bring them unto me. What he's doing here is fulfilling Zechariah 9 verse 9, which has to do with the nation of Israel. Now, in all this way, we see very clearly in John 1 and verse 10, it says that he came into the world, the whole world, the whole mass of humanity, and the world, the mass of humanity, didn't know him. They didn't know him in his proper uh, person and the work that he was coming to accomplish. That's what that John 1 10 is saying. Then it says he came unto his own, and we're seeing this on Palm Sunday. He's coming unto his own. In John 1.11, it says he came unto his own in the way that he was coming from God, not in the way that they expected. And then it says, and they rejected him. The King James says they received him not. It's much stronger in the original. They rejected him. That's what it says. So we see in verse 21 of Ma uh, uh, Matthew 21 and verse 3, it says, and if any, any man says unto you, uh, what are you doing in in this way, you just say the Lord has need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. And again, this is Zechariah 9, verse 9. It's bringing out also Isaiah 62 and verse 11. See, these verses are speaking of him coming to Israel. 
coming to Israel. And so they, they said, uh, and this says here, all this was done that it might be spoken, which was, was spoken by the prophet, um, telling Tell you the daughter. Now he's quoting Isaiah 62 and verse 11. Tell, tell the daughter of, of Sion, behold, your king comes. Your king comes unto you, meek. And sitting upon this young colt, a colt of, with a colt, the foal of this donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them and brought the donkey and the colt and put put on them their clothes, and they set him thereon. And a very great multitude, a very great multitude, spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, these are the palms, and strewed them in his way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, Hosanna, Hosanna. Pray, really what this is saying, we pray, we beseech you to save us. That's what they were saying. Save us. It's way different than the term hallelujah. Praise you, thank you, Lord of our salvation. Very different. But they were saying, save us uh, to the son of David. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Notice this. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of, of Nazareth of Galilee. Wasn't he much more than that? And Jesus went into the temple. First thing, look what he did. They're praising him. I'm going to tell you, this is what they were doing. They wanted a king to save them from their enemies at that particular time. They wanted a king who would save them so that they could live their lives the way they wanted to. That's what, that's what it was about. That's what it's revealing and showing here. And so they said, who is this? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus went into the temple and cast all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. Again, when you study this, in Isagogics, which is the historical frame of reference, you're gonna we'll see that some of these tables, and I love to bring this out, and we'll we'll see it very, very quickly and very shortly this morning. First of all, Jesus was not like some of the art that pictures him with long flowing hair. He never had that. That's number one. He was not a handsome man. That's number two. <laughs> okay. And he wasn't some weak, frail human being. He was flipping over these tables of the money changers, and some of them were 600 pounds or more. And he's flipping them over and saying, and bringing again, fulfilling prophecy right here, dealing with the nation of Israel, because they wanted to take him and use him for what they wanted. See, they didn't want him. Have you ever met someone that didn't want you, but they wanted something from you? And when that something ended, did they want you? <laughs> this is what was going on here. And, and, and again, just very, very sad, but he's fulfilling prophecy. He went in and cast all them 
that sold and bought in the temple. A lot of selling and buying today in Christianity right now. And overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And he said unto them, it is written, it is written. Again, this is in Isaiah 56 in verse 7. It is written, my house will be called a house of prayer. House of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. And then look, right away, right away, look what he does in verse 14. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. And only God knows how many truly wanted his son. Only God knows how many truly wanted him. Only God, you know, the multitudes, there were multitudes that came. And in those multitudes, you will see it. They came to hear the word of God. That's why they came. They came to hear the word of God. That's what it says in Matthew 6 and verse 33. You seek you first the kingdom of God. Then all these other things will be added unto you. But when you come, and the reason that you come is to fulfill the details of your life. It's to change something. Instead of coming to hear the word of God, the walk is is not even right to begin with. A lot of these, that's what they were doing. They were preparing him and honoring him for what they wanted him to do in them without any change in them at all. They wanted a king to to rule and deal with their enemies. You know, there's multitudes. There were multitudes. Even today in Israel, even today, the Jews in Israel, even in their battles, recent battles against the enemy, it doesn't even have anything to do with God or love for him. It's just just to deal with their enemies. They want God to deal with their enemies so they can live the way that they want. Basically use God to get what they want and when they don't get it, and when they didn't get it from Jesus, what did they say? They said in John 18 and verse 40, not this man. We do not want him. Did you know the same ones that were strewing it, the palms and, and, and crying out, Hosanna? The multitude began to cry out in John 19 and 15, crucify him. It didn't take long. Crucify him. He's not the one that we want. He's not the one that we want. And you will see that again. In, in the Old Covenant too. But again, it says the same thing in John the 12th chapter. John chapter 12. Just read it briefly and then we'll get into what was actually going on here on Palm Sunday. Is this a Christian holiday? <laughs> Is it? Well, I think we can look at it. If we, we can look at it properly and say, yes, Jesus had to come. In Luke 1.35 and in John 1.14, he had to come to grow. 30 years of silent obedience, three and a half years of a public ministry and then cut off on Calvary to be the propitiation for the Father. Thus, the Father could give him to us as the substitute whereby and only by we could be reconciled. We could be reconciled. And again, it says it in John, John 12, and we, we can read it 
you could even read it there also too. What it's a, just a beautiful scene. It, you see that the whole scene here is so different. You, you can see even here in, in in John twelve verse one it says, "Then Jesus six days before the Passover." And of course, the Passover was Exodus twelve and one thirteen, verses one through thirteen, bringing out the reality of who Christ was in His person and the work that He was going to accomplish. That was where it was. And then it says, the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper and Martha served. She's doing it in a beautiful way now, not in the irritated way. She's made her adjustments like we all do in Luke 10, 38 to 42. She made adjustments and now she's functioning in her gift as a servant it was one of them that sat at the table. Then Mary, Mary, took Mary a pound of ointment. It's a year's supply. It's a year of her finances. One whole year of her money. Very costly, that's what it says. And anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. You know, a woman's hair is her, speaks of her glory. You know, women, they want to take care of their hair. And that's because that God has given them that. But it also speaks of the it's a it's a it's a provision of their of their inward beauty growing outward, <laughs> and that's First Corinthians eleven, and verse fourteen and fifteen. It's a woman's glory. But she took what she had, everything that she had, and broke it open. And then it says the whole room was filled with the beauty of what she was doing. She was recognizing here what Jesus actually came for. She didn't want something from him. She needed him. She needed him. And it didn't matter a year's worth of, of finance. It didn't matter. She broke that, wiped his, put it on his feet, anointed his feet, and wiped his feet because she knew that those feet were going to go to Calvary and deal with what she could never deal with in multitudes could never, never deal with. Wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was, was filled with the odor of the ointment. Oh, isn't that something? When people come and they just want him. When they just want him and you. That's truly why they come. That's the only way to come, the right way. They truly come. And when that happens, doesn't it fill the whole room and bring out the beauty of Christ? Then said, of course, one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which would betray him, was not this ointment, could, couldn't you have sold this for 300 pence and given to the poor? Well, he was a pilfer. He was constantly stealing from that purse, by the way. You know why? Because it was about himself. You see, he followed Jesus, and the whole point of him being with Jesus was about himself. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about the word. They took second place. It was a second place thing. Then he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief. Who was he operating under? When it's not the word, when it's not the person of Christ, what's the only other way that we could operate under? In John 10, 10a, the thief comes to what? To steal, take away from people, and kill anyone to do it. And doesn't matter who they destroy. It matters not. Nothing matters. Well, 
He had the bag and bear what was put there. And it's really bringing it out. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying. Burying, which would be separating all her, her sins from her. And ours too, by the way. Has she kept this? For the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only. They didn't come for that reason. They didn't come for Jesus' sake only, the word, the very word of God. No, but that they might see Lazarus also. They wanted to be entertained. You know, that's why they wanted Jesus. That's why they were strewing the palms down and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. Not too much longer would be crying out because he wouldn't meet their need the way that they wanted it met in the flesh. They said this. They said, crucify him. They changed their tone quickly. Not for us, though. Not, and truly those that are in Christ. They came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Why? Because he was a, res he was a revelation of the life of Christ in him. Because by reason of him, what Jesus had done in Lazarus, they, wanna, they, they wanted to kill him by reason of him because many of the Jews went away. They went away, they left the flesh, and they believed on him. They believed on him. There's so much more this morning that we have to get into this. But this is what I want to read here, and this is what the reality was of Jesus coming. And the true picture of it, the true picture of it. Now, as Christians, we can look back on that and look on it with, with, and say, thank you, Lord, that we can see truly why you really came. We can see it truly why you actually really came. And, uh, but we see the reason, and it was to his people, his earthly people, the Jews. And of course, he came for us ultimately ultimately, in John 1, 12, but as many as would receive him. To them he gave the power, the right, and the authority to become the sons of God. This is what the reality is. This is Isaiah, right here, in Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, it says, Who has believed our report? This is the preaching and teaching of a message. Who truly seeks that? Who truly wants the word? Who had truly, and I mean honestly, honestly received and submitted and obeyed that message. And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he will grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of a dry ground. Here it is. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty in him that we should desire him. There wasn't any. You remember the Jews? They wanted a king, a handsome king. Who did they pick? Who was their choice? Saul. Right? Because he represented what they wanted to live in, in themselves, apart from God. And that's who they picked. You read 2 Samuel, the 8th chapter, in those seven verses. Read what it says. They didn't want Samuel anymore. He was old. 
he, in their own reasonings, didn't understand certain things. So they, in turn, became his counselor. <laughs> it's an amazing thing to see. Well, and when we see him, there's no beauty that would, there's no outward beauty that would draw us to him. But it was the glory that they said in John 1 and verse 14. That's the word was made flesh, put on this flesh that wasn't outwardly beautiful. He was not a handsome man at all. There's no beauty in him. But they saw beauty and glory on the inward. And that's what it says in John 1 and verse 14. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten, the uniquely begotten man from God, the son of God and the man of God. He was filled up with all that grace and truth is. Well, there's no beauty. Verse 3, he is despised and he's rejected. He's despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. But surely the truth is he, 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 was, he was bearing our griefs and carrying our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes, spiritually, not physically, by the way, and we've taught this before, but with his stripes, we were healed. We were healed. Jesus did a lot of healing physically in his earthly ministry. But in terms of what was on the cross, that didn't deal with physical healing. That was a spiritual healing. And it's brought out crystal clear in the scriptures. So what do we see here in Isaiah 53? I'll tell you, this is what we see. We have the confession. And we have the wandering complaint over the unbelief of men. Can a believer that's been taught the word of God still be in taught, but still function in unbelief? Yeah. Yes. Men of unbelief, yeah, and what was the reason? Because of their own unbelief. They chose their own unbelief over the word of God. For Israel now, in this place, was broken down in, the, in their sense of sin. They acknowledged that it was not merely, not only, not only those without who heeded the report of the Messiah. In other words, all the other people that weren't Jews. No. But they too themselves had been hard and rebellious against him. Hard and rebellious against him. That's what it says. Who has believed our report, our preaching and teaching, even those that heard it. We've said many times as the scriptures have been revealed to us in Hosea 4 and verse 6. Jesus, the prophet, the father through the Holy Spirit, spoke to Hosea the prophet to the Jews and he said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. It, they did, it's not that they didn't have it that they lacked. It's what they had they, and was given to them they refused to submit to. And as a result, the enemy would destroy them. And no longer could God, and for many Christians who function in the flesh, no longer could God reign as king and supreme and sovereign over their life. Well, he would grow up as a tender sapling and as a root out of the dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness, and when we see him, there's no beauty that we would ever 
ever desire him. God planned it that way. He is despised and shunned of men completely. Well, we see it very here, very clearly here, I should say. And this is what God is revealing to us. His deity was the very thing that introduced his, his humiliation. His humiliation was that that led to his glory. Notice that? It was his humiliation that led to his glory instead of functioning in pride. But here, he's bringing out the humility of his glory. We want to get into these things uh, in, in a much deeper way, and, and, and most likely we, we will do this in, in the next days to come. But I just want to close it out here, very here, but with these truths this morning as best as I can. But we know this, we know this for a fact, that we can look back, and we, we want to bring this out in a much clearer and precise way. We want to bring these things out in, in this way. And they just bring out really honestly to us who actually seek his person. We want him. We want him. Not just what he can give us. And like so many, that so many can live this way. We only want something from him. We only want something from him. And the truth of the matter is, and I'll close with this verse here this morning, and I do want to get into this again in a much deeper way. But in 1 Corinthians, we see, I mean, again, in 2 Corinthians, I should say, in 2 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, we see here, In verse 14, this is Paul coming to the Corinthians. I want, to, I want you to see the background of this because it was the same way with, with Paul. Once Saul received Christ, who was the, the chief of the Pharisees, once he received Christ and Christ was functioning in him, he was no longer accepted by the Jews. They wanted to kill him and they sought to do the very same thing. You know, when you don't seek the person of Christ and it's him that you come for, then when that gets in the way of your lust of the flesh being fulfilled, and those are the reasons that you come, you're going to seek to kill. You don't want anything to do with them experientially. It's a very sad thing. But again, here, the book of Corinthians is brought out, the second epistle of Corinthians is brought out very, very clearly, very, very, very clearly in the scriptures here. And the way that it's being brought out is they were rejecting Paul. They were rejecting him, especially when he brought out the cross, especially when they were challenged in the places of the flesh that they were living in. They loved to hear the power of his resurrection. They loved to hear that, but when it came to dealing and separating the soul from the spirit in Hebrews 4.12, they, they started rejecting him who had taught him who had taught them. They rejected him just like they did Jesus. It's one thing to, when you come to strew the palms, but what is the reason for you doing that? What was their reason for doing that? Numbers 32 verse 23 says, you know what? Your sin will find you out. If it's not the person of Christ, if it's not his work that you seek and hunger for, that's going to be brought out. 
It's going to be brought out. So Paul, even towards those Corinthians, and even Jesus, even the way that they were treating him and didn't want anything to do with him in Isaiah 53, he still came and still loved them and still healed them. Many that, honestly, that showed up, that were saying, Hosanna, showed up and said, crucify him. Well, in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 14, it says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I won't be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours. What was he saying? I'm not seeking something from you. I seek not yours, but you. I seek not yours, but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. That was brought out by Jody all this morning in terms of uh, natural children and, and, and godly children. But it's also brought out as spiritual parents and, and spiritual uh, children. This is brought out very, very clearly in the scriptures. And this is verse 15. And here, this is the way that it is. This is, this is why, this is when you know that what you're doing is right and the enemy wants to do everything to stop you in your tracks, to, <laughs> to stop you in your tracks. This is what happens in 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. For your souls, that's literally what it says. I will very gladly, Jesus did that. Jesus was doing it in the, in the Apostle Paul now to those that were constantly rejecting him. I will gladly, very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I'm loved. And why is that? Why is that? But we can look back and this is the way that I choose to do that this morning. We can look back and say, we are gonna, we're, we're thankful that Jesus came, that he put on humanity in John 1.14. And I do want to celebrate it that way and honor him in celebration. Because that road was the road that was leading to Calvary. Where on that cross, Jesus would propitiate his father that propitiation would enter into him as our substitute and then we would receive him and by and through him and in him receive this reconciliation. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a tremendous thing. And that is what truly the truth about Palm Sunday's teaching. Truly. And God loving us and, and proving it and showing it on Calvary where the deepest hatred of the religious crowd and the unsaved world came together and murdered him, but it was, it was to be the place of the greatest manifestation of God's love for mankind when the height of mankind's evil came against him. It's just it's amazing. And I choose to think of this in, in, in from us as Christians saying thankful for that thankful for uh, and I do want to be thankful but for us it's Hebrews 13 and verse 15 we're offering up the sacrifices of praise and we can do that every day Ephesians 5 20 be thankful for all things first Thessalonians 5 and verse 18 be thankful in all things we can be thankful and Lord we do thank you 
We thank you for the reason that you did come. First and foremost, to propitiate your Father, pleasing Him in John 8, 29, fulfilling Genesis chapter 22 and verse 8, fulfilling all the types in Exodus 12 and 1 and verse 13. Those are the reasons that you came. Those are the reasons that you came, to deal with what man could never deal with, ever. We just thank you, Father, uh, for your provision, for the person that Christ is, and for the word that he so abundantly, through the power of the Holy Spirit, manifests and gives to us. Gives to us as much as we want him, and we want his work to flow in us. You see, you can't want his work to flow in you without him being your all, at least, and, and growing in it, and we're all growing in that. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.